0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Jack Lewis.
0: And I'm Jean Herr. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, April 12, 2023.
2: Later in the program, we have Deep Dive. WFHB and Limestone Post investigate where we look into issues regarding health, housing, and the environment that directly impact residents of Monroe County. More in today's feature report.
0: Also coming up in the next half hour, Who's Not Who on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. More following today's feature, but first, your local headlines.
2: This is Deep Dive, WFHB and Limestone Post investigate, where we look into issues regarding health, housing, and the environment that directly impact residents of Monroe County. Last month, we looked into problems caused by the housing crisis. This month, we will share possible solutions. One of the main government-led projects to build more affordable housing is the new Hopewell neighborhood. Hopewell will be the result of the decommissioning and demolition of the former IU Health Hospital on West 2nd Street. Back in 2018, the city had announced that it would buy the 24-acre property for $6.5 million. According to city officials, the land will be developed with up to 1,000 housing units, many of which will be affordable rentals or owner-occupied homes, Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton said that some people didn't agree with buying the land. However, he added that the location was attractive to the city because it's near downtown and adjacent to the Beeline Trail. Hamilton also stressed that it's an important opportunity to build more affordable units. The big decision we
3: made about Hopewell was to buy the land, uh, which some people didn't agree with, but we bought 24 acres at a quarter million an acre downtown. and, And that's a huge opportunity for us as a community to be able to have control over what happens. If we didn't own it, all we could do is zone it and you'd be restricted by all the state's restrictions on what we can do in that regard. So owning is huge. It's an enormous opportunity to balance all of that. And it, it, there's no magic formula. We, we are focused on, we do want a lot of people to be able to live there. It's a great location, we, we need to make sure we maximize I don't, we, that we are very sensitive to how many people can we let live there, right? Um, we're very focused on affordability. How do we have a full mix of uh, a range of people living at Hopewell from, you know, market-rate housing to low-income housing tax credit? And, and the exact ratio is going to be driven by a lot of factors of What's the economy like? How, you know, what 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 can we get developers to do? What kind of subsidy can we give? Um, you know, we're putting twenty-five million dollars of public money in the infrastructure purchase and infrastructure. So far, there's tens of millions more needed for infrastructure, and we have to figure out with the development community how that gets paid for and built. Um, with, in addition to uh, numbers of people and affordability of people, there's we want it to be a beautifully designed, sustainable, and good looking community that feels great to live in. Now, it's got a lot of advantages because it's location. We hope it'll be on the new bus rapid transit, which would mean you can hop on and go east west. Uh, you heard me if you heard in the state of the city, you know, I really think. Wilmington has the opportunity to become the best small city in America for public transit, which would just be a wonderful selling point and calling card and living quality. <laughs> um, and this n- neighborhood can, be, uh, can bring the density that helps make that work, too. But it won't look like uh, the neighborhoods immediately to the north and the south, those single-family houses. There'll be a, f- a few, probably, but not. it's mostly more dense.
2: Hamilton believes that the city's control and ownership of Hopewell will ensure its benefit to the public. However, some believe that it would be more beneficial in the hands of, of the private sector. Co-owner of Kirkwood Property Management Mark Figg says, quote, I would rather have it done by the private market. It would be faster and less expensive. The Hamilton administration has decided to be a developer, and I'm not a proponent of that, end quote.
0: The city of Bloomington is working on increasing housing supply within city limits by establishing the Hopewell neighborhood. We spoke with Housing and Neighborhood Development Director John Zodi about the Hopewell development. Zodi shared that they have plans to add an additional 1,000 housing units.
4: So we're looking at having upwards of 1,000 units of housing at Hopewell. So kind of 800 to 1,000 is the range we're looking at right now. And we want to have... Um, uh, a good part of that be affordable, not all of it, but um, a good part of it. So we're figuring out what that looks like, but you know, maybe it's a certain percentage, like 20% or something like that, so that we have a good mixed uh, uh, spread of housing across the site. So we want to make sure all the numbers work and everything like that, but we're trying to um, map all that out right now. But it is definitely the goal of Hopewell to increase uh, housing, the housing supply in Bloomington as well as affordability.
0: Zodi explained how increasing the housing supply can help improve the affordability of housing units.
4: Having more choices of housing is is very important, and if you have a higher inventory, then that could lead to a, a you know a demand supply and demand issue where the price isn't as high. However, mm-hmm. um, we see a constant. Um, demand for housing in Bloomington. And so what you have to do is look at it sort of in the other direction too and say, well, how do we help people obtain affordable housing? And so we have down payment programs to help people with the purchase of a house. We have rental deposit programs that can help people who um, need sort of, they can pay rent, but they may need help getting that initial deposit placed so they can stay in the, the unit and rent it.
0: Zodi shared the city's plans to establish permanent, affordable housing through the Hopewell project.
4: We want to see at least twenty percent of all the housing units be affordable across the site. So, of those, of those upwards, you know, eight hundred to thousand units, we'll want to see, uh, you know,
2: uh,
4: yeah. uh, like one hundred and fifty to two hundred of them be affordable. And so, um, and when we talk about permanent affordability, we mean that um, you know, once once the initial unit of housing is available to someone who qualifies as, as an affordable housing program recipient, right? So if you're, if you qualify as affordable now, um, when you're ready to move from that unit, the question is, does it, does it have to be sold or rented to someone who is also income eligible? Because what, what, what you think about is, um, people, you know, establish, uh, equity and, and they, they change jobs, they change income. Um, a lot of times, people will um, increase their income and build wealth through, you know, ownership or just they're having a, you know, a job that pays more. And so the question is, you want to keep a supply of housing that's affordable because that way the housing turns over in a way that helps it regenerate. So you've got a permanent affordability model to keep that model in place for uh, a number we use is 99 years. So there would be uh, what's called a covenant on the property that that the owner, uh, agrees to and says this, this unit of housing, whether it's an apartment for a bunch of apartments in an apartment building or a house, a single family house, uh, they'll agree to keep that affordable. Um, the owner agrees. That's an agreement the owner, uh, ma- makes with, with the seller of the property, which in this case would be the city of Wilmington, that, that, pro- that, that property will stay permanently affordable. So anytime it is sold or rented, it will be sold or rented to someone who is income eligible uh, for affordable housing. The city has a shared appreciation home ownership program where we help the homeowner with a down payment for the the house. So we can help them with um, uh, up to 20% of the cost of the house up to a certain point. And then that helps them get in the house, right? That helps them be able to afford the, the purchase of the house. And then when they are in it for a certain period of time, uh, if they were to sell it, and they um, give the city back some of the equity that they've that they've gained, and then they keep some of it, and then they move on and they sell the house to someone who is who is again income kind of eligible. So that helps that helps them. They they build equity in uh, in a situation where they might not otherwise have been able to buy the house. And then the the a piece of the equity goes back into the program to help the next person buy it.
0: According to reporting by Steve Henfeld of the Limestone Post quote, making and keeping the housing affordable may be challenging, given the appeal of the location and its amenities, end quote. Mary Hamilton says that the way to maintain affordability is through lease agreement and deed restrictions.
3: It's a deep belief of mine that once we get an affordable unit, don't lose it.
0: Zodi outlined the planning process for the Hopewell project. He shared that they had an architecture and planning firm, Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill create a master plan.
4: The hospital project has been on the radar for a long time. IU Health had you know, obviously a lot of planning that uh, is done when you're going to build a new hospital. So they knew they were going to be relocating the hospital and the city had been in conversations with them for quite a while. And so the master planning process took a couple of years and sort of culminated in the master plan report, which you may have seen. Um, and so that's released, that's out. Um, it's it's serving as an anchor, kind of a basis for us on how we plan the project moving forward, um, and how we uh, can use it as a guidepost for for what we do over there. And so it's been a re- it was a really valuable process. It lays out everything we had uh, as a part of that process, and it lays out you know here's where this type of housing could go, here's where that type of housing could go. Um, talks about amenities and all kinds of stuff and, and how we laid it out. So it's a really good planning document and one that we're using as we engage with developers who might be interested in, in, uh, in the redevelopment of the projects. So it is sort of a common practice for, for communities to do a master planning process when you're, you've got a project this big. I mean, this is, you know, kind we have, we have one chance to do this kind of a, you know, once in a generation project for Bloomington being right in the middle of the city and everything else. So we wanted to do it right.
2: Zodi shared that although the city is not currently able to enforce affordable housing standards due to Indiana's legislation, the Unified Development Ordinance we covered last week is able to afford incentives for developers and to include affordable and sustainable housing options.
4: We do believe that affordable housing and being able to have affordable housing is important. Uh, we are able to require it when we put incentives into it, so when the city of Bloomington is using federal funds or local funds, which we have our own. Uh, we have a couple of programs here at the city that we use to help advance affordable housing where, um, the idea of, you know, if, if there's public tax money, if there are public dollars going into the housing development, uh, you know, we require affordability and that's where the agreements that the developers engage in with us that we were talking about, um, you know, will will help uh, ensure that there's affordability there. Through our Unified Development Ordinance, there are incentives that developers can get if they agree to have a certain percentage of affordable housing in their projects. So, in that way, it can be required. Um, otherwise, but, but from a zoning perspective, it, it can't be.
2: In addition to the Hopewell Project and the UDO incentives, Zodi said that they offer programs like the down payment and closing cost assistance program through the housing and neighborhood development department for residents who are or are at below to 80% on the area median income to help provide assistance with purchasing a house. He explained that programs like this are made possible by American Rescue Plan Act funds. The city and county both use these funds to financially support heading home of South Central Indiana as well.
4: So I kind of talked about this in terms of three buckets, right? So. We the uh, city got a lot of ARPA money. Uh, our department got uh, a good bit as well. And so we, um, one of the first things we agreed to do was to help support the Heading Homeless South, South Central Indiana Initiative. And that that's a, a group that formed uh, two years ago to help uh, make the issue of homelessness rare, brief, and non-repeating. So the idea is how do you how do you tackle this problem as a community, right? And so the city and the county government both. Contributed um, upwards of five million dollars um, when you put both. Uh, we we committed two point seven. I think the county committed uh, somewhere around the same amount. But upwards of five million dollars to help support this program. So how do you how do you put in program? How do you put in place programs that will help uh, help people navigate uh, from um, being unhoused into services and hopefully into housing? Um, and so that first bucket is how how do we how do we advance the cause of housing security? By helping people who are housing insecure, both if they have a house that they're at risk of homelessness or if they are in fact already unhoused, and so um looking at how those two things can come together and and the community can come together and try to do uh, tackle that problem is is a really important thing, and so the city is a major financial supporter and a partner in that. Um, we talk to them and meet with them a lot and and help figure out how we can support their programming so so that's a big piece of, uh, of, of what we did with ARPA money. Um, the second bucket would be uh, rental housing. So, uh, how do we use those funds and other funds to help bring more affordable rental housing online? And when I talked about those incentives and helping require affordability if we're using incentives is really important. Um, and then the third is home ownership. And so, I'm um, using that that money to help um, people buy houses with down payment, closing cost assistance, with um, uh, looking at uh, where in Bloomington could we put more affordable housing, so we purchased some land uh, for that purpose. So there are lots of things that can be done to advance all three of those, and ARPA funds uh, played a role in that.
0: Summit Hill Community Development Corporation, a nonprofit created by the Bloomington Housing Authority, could create more opportunities for home ownership through a land trust. Director of Real Estate Development at the Bloomington Housing Authority, Nate Ferreria, said that the land trust could open up home ownership to a segment of the population who previously couldn't afford a home due to high prices.
1: So essentially, we're opening home ownership to a whole part of the population that would not be able to get a mortgage mm-hmm. um, and may not be able to afford a house because housing prices are so, so high. Um, and so we've got a couple builders on board with Harlington Park, and so we're testing this out. Um, mm-hmm. And that'll, that'll start this spring.
0: He elaborated on the benefits of a land trust.
1: And so the idea now is with a land trust, um, we will work with builders to build homes, um, that will target, uh, low to moderate income households. Mm-hmm. So, um, 80% AMI is probably the middle there, but we could go up to 120, um, and hit more of what people refer to as workforce housing. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, and the idea basically is, uh, I'll just give you a, A couple numbers for an example. So if there's a home that appraises for $200,000 and the land contribution is worth $40,000, through the land trust, um, the homeowner is just buying the the home, not the land. So their price lowers to $160,000, which means a lower income household can buy, can purchase a house.
0: Summit Hill's first housing project will be a development of 45 single-family homes on Bloomington's north side near the new apartment complex, Atlas, on 17th. Ferreira said some of these homes will be built by Habitat for Humanity and some by Clear Creek Homes. According to Steve Henfeld's reporting in the Limestone Post, buyers will need to meet income qualifications and complete homeowner classes offered by Habitat or Bloomington's Hand Department. All in all, Ferreria says that he hopes to have builders on the location and break ground on the development this month.
2: Zodi said that although there is a lot of good work going on in this community, he still sees that there is more work that needs to be done to ensure we are on track to properly address the housing crisis in Monroe County. Well,
4: we are addressing it. Um, on track, we had a housing study that was done in 2020 that said we needed to add about um, 2,600 units uh, by 2030. Hopewell is a huge opportunity for us there. We are looking every day. We're working with uh, the development community to see what projects could come online to help uh, advance affordable housing and more housing. So, uh, and that, and those, those uh, 2,600 units I mentioned aren't just affordable. That's a mix, right? That calls for uh, people who own homes as well as people who rent them and of all different income types. So it's not just affordable housing, but we've added, you know, since, um, you know, Mary Hamilton took office. We've added about 1,400 units that are either constructed or in construction mode, um, about 1,400 more units of affordable housing. So um, we are tackling it, uh, but I think we've got to do a lot more, right? So um, we are on a path. Uh, we are looking at lots of different things. There's really no bad idea when it comes to looking at how you can advance affordable housing. So we, we are very much on it and working on it. Um, but, uh, as, as long as there are people who need an affordable place to live and don't feel like they can access it, we've got an issue, right? So I don't feel comfortable saying, yep, we're on track. We're going to have it solved in 10 years. There are always going to be people who need housing. We've got to make sure we're, we are constantly tackling that issue and making sure that people feel like that Bullington's is a place they can live affordably.
2: Tune in next week at 5 p.m. for Deep Dive, where we will start to investigate into opioid settlement fund distribution in Monroe County.
0: Next, Who's Not Who on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket.
5: It really is convenient when the scammers send a timely topic directly to me but i'm not trying to encourage them anything can be overdone if you work at it hard enough and with scams and swindles it doesn't take much still when some poor fool hits on me i get to tell you about it this time it landed in my email inbox and said congratulations you've been selected Uh uh-oh i haven't applied for anything well it turns out i've been nominated for inclusion in the 2022 Professional Who's Who edition. And of course, they need a prompt response from me. Now, The Real Who's Who is a big book of biographical information on famous people. Notice I said the real one, because there's only one of those. That's Marquis Who's Who, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S, Marquis. That publication is 125 years old this year and is found all over the world in libraries. As a reference book, it does get used by academics, researchers, and historians. However, the term... Who's Who is in the public domain, and there are thousands of such books with extra words in the title, covering every country in the world and special groups like women, high school students, artists, and even characters in the DC Comics world. The email I got, however, didn't come from any of them. Right away, I noticed that the senders seemed to be running behind, since I was to be included in the 2022 edition. They did claim that inclusion would carry no cost or obligation. But the links in the email—I just held the cursor over them, I did not click—went to a website called platinumwho'swho.buzz B-U-Z-Z. Why would a century-old company have a website domain that wasn't available until 2014? Marquis Who's Who has spent much of that century fighting scammers, like the woman in New York who got convicted last year. She got five years and a million and a half dollar fine. Like the rest of these crooks, she told the suckers her ads hooked that their listing was free, but if they wanted a copy of the book and a commemorative plaque, they had to pay. You see the bait, don't you? This is called a vanity scam because it hooks victims by the ego. Oh, boy, I get to be listed with all kinds of famous people. My name and life will be in the book, along with Einstein and John Lennon and Bernie Madoff and Donald Trump. Wow! Anytime someone you don't know says you're going to be honored, watch out. Check them out before you respond at all. Don't give them any personal information unless you're certain they're for real and never pay to get a prize or an honor. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs.
0: Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. listening to the wfhb local news today's headlines were written by noel hernuski schneider in partnership with cats community access television services our feature was produced by kate young and noel hernuski schneider
2: our theme music is provided by mark bingham and the social climbers engineer and executive producer is kate young for wfhb i'm jack lewis
0: And I'm Jean Her. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org.
2: The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program.
0: Stay tuned for Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB Community Radio.